Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Joined makes it sound like they aren't integral components, the foundation of this podcast, which is what they are. Uh, but uh, in fact, uh, they come up with all the great ideas for it. And this week's episode is about the Mount Rushmore of Comfort TV, which Richard chose. Why? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, just because I, my wife and I were watching some shows coming up recently that were sort of like a warm security blanket. Yeah. Like the McNeil and, Report or something. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, Exactly. And, uh, you know, and, and specifically, I know that we were watching, uh, uh, started watching Blackadder again, oh, which is not on my list. That's my jam. But, but could have been on my list. And we actually started showing it to our son, who's 10. And he thought it was really funny. And it was just sort of like great to kind of have this show that I feel very just, just makes me feel very warm and comforted. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not a very warm and comforting show necessarily. But I, I I feel very calmed and and pleased by any time I watch mm-hmm. it. It's something that I can go back to over and over again, and that's really what a comfort show is. It's the type of show that, no matter what type of mood you're in, you can put it in and instantly be taken into a better place, no matter how many times you've watched it. So that's kind of what the genesis behind the episode is. That's cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of dissecting what makes something uh, a, a a comfort to you as we go along. So Michael, you start. Uh, My first choice, I think, um, might not be a surprise to many. Um, It is a British show. It's a great show. It is, of course, Ground Force, the 1990s, a a British gardening show, uh, which I just (laughs) adored uh, watching uh, on BBC America. Uh, back in the 2000s, and they have a number of episodes on um, YouTube that you can find very hard to find otherwise. Now, Ground Force is a series where there's um, a host named Alan Titchmarch, and he has like these two to three other assistants with him, um, Charlie Dimmick and Tommy Walsh. And what they do is they go into like this very typical, very small, often British backyard, a little garden, and it's in some sort of disarray. And Alan has this very calming English, gentle voice, but very funny. And they go in and he kind of, they have over the weekend, it's kind of like a surprise show. They have a weekend to go in, demolish it, turn it around before someone comes back from some sort of like little mini uh, vacation or stay or business trip or whatever. So they've worked it out with their um, husband or wife or brother, sister or something or whatever it is. And they send this person away. And they have no idea what's going on. And, you know, they kind of have this hidden camera crew. And then through this entire thing, they are transforming a backyard into this lovely little peaceful garden. And there's just like this wonderful music that plays. It's so soft and so gentle. And then usually at the end, they have like a little glass of champagne and they welcome out and they're so surprised. And it's just, it's so lovely. There's nothing, you know, there's little confrontations within trying to do something speedily. But, um, you know, the, the person that's surprised is so overwhelmed with joy. It is such this, it's just like a nice transformative show. And it's usually set within, you know, the lovely English countryside. And it's just, it was one of these shows that um, I introduced to uh, Emily during kind of the, um, during kind of COVID and lockdown. And it became something where it was like, all right, 
the kids in bed, we can put something on that is warm and cozy and shows a world that doesn't exist for us or hasn't existed in a long time. Just like this outdoorsy, lush, green, English garden that's just utterly fucking charming. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things that's like, I wish I, I wish I could have access to more of them now, but I'm kind of just limited by, you know, technology. Is it a competition per se, or no, 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 or no, no, no. like it okay, is it's like extreme makeover, like a yes, but without, like, okay. but like without like all that you know superfluous like extremeness of it, yeah. like the, like they take something that's kind of a bunch of rubble or like just overgrown, mm-hmm. and it's very community based and they have to go and at the end they got to hide the big lorry and they got to go wow. you know get everything hide around the corner and then the person comes out and they're just surprised and like there's never a moment where the person comes home and they're not totally pleased to see this lovely mm-hmm. host alan they're not totally pleased to see all you know the transformation it's not like oh you did that to this it's always mm-hmm. like so oh, bless you oh my god so mm-hmm. happy you know all the, and it's just like it's heartwarming and it's so comforting. And I think that especially during COVID when we were locked up so much to, to watch something like that, um, one just reminded me of like, you know, 20 years ago watching the show, but then also just to, uh, just, just feels good. Yeah. So it's like, it's a kind of, it's like a marriage of between the nostalgia of going back to a time when you saw it and maybe life was a little bit simpler, but also the topic, Subject matter is very calming and oh and yes, re- restore restorative. For sure, yeah, yeah, for sure, restorative. What a good word. I wonder if they were like, my weed plants. You tore them up. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my life savings. Oh man, uh, my wow. prize crabgrass. <laughs> I don't know why this. I don't, I don't know why this person from like uh, uh, Texarkana is somehow in Wales. <laughs> my prize along the English coast. Uh, is it? Do you think this is a progenitor of like a Great British Bake Off or something like that? Even though I guess those are comfort, those are competitive type of shows. I th- I think that there's there is definitely a relation there, at least in tone. You know, there's a I don't know if it's one of Richard's picks. It might be. I definitely considered it for for mine because there is a supportiveness of Great British Bake Off that doesn't exist mm-hmm. in in other shows, um, but. At the end of the day, it's not like someone is being kicked off and being yeah. well wished away by, um, yeah. you know, uh, some guy from the Mighty Boosh. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, the, and even at the end of, you know, as as you know, we all know at the end of Great British Bake Off, they're they're all invited back and they have this lovely garden party and all this stuff. Yeah. But it's uh, it doesn't have that. There's no cutthroatedness behind Great British Bake Off. It's still lovely. Mm-hmm. But it's totally different, totally different vibe. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. And I'm curious as we go through all these things, you know, like you, uh, before we got on the mic, um, uh, Mike was talking about uh, introducing his, his uh, young son to some old, old films in uh, honor of the upcoming spooky season uh, day Halloween. And even though those may not be calming films and that they're, they were like out of scary films. They're still nostalgic, right? They're still, it's kind of very, there's something comforting about that old black and white. Oh yeah. Stuff. So yeah. Cool. Richard, what's your first? Well, you guys talked about it. I don't know if I have much oh, left uh, to say about it, but it is the great British bake off. Oh, fun. Okay. Um, 
you know, especially the early years when Mary Berry was on the show. Mm. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with Prue. Prue is a perfectly fine judge and I have nothing, nothing but good, good feelings towards her. Um, But the original years, the first few seasons when it was Mary Berry and a young, innocent Paul Hollywood before he went Hollywood. (laughs) And uh, when the uh, judges or the hosts were Sue Perkins and Mel Geidrick. Um, Again, nothing wrong with having Matt Lucas or Noel Fielding or anybody else, Sandy or anyone else as the presenters. But there's just something about that initial group of presenters and, and judges that just had this incredible chemistry that worked. And as Michael said, there is something just charming about this competition show where it is, there's nothing cutthroat about the competition at all. Like you don't see anybody like pouring salt into somebody's, you know, cake batter behind their back or anything like that. Everyone is there to help support everyone else. And if somebody is struggling, someone else who has some free time will come over and help them work on something. And it really is delightful. It's just something that you don't see in American competition shows. And, I mean, it is literally comfort TV of the uh, most literal order because you look at those, they are making comfort food in Mm -hmm. a very, very literal sort of way. Um, You know, my wife bakes, baking, I do cook, I don't bake, I'm not much of a baker. I did make the king cake for Mardi Gras that we that we had this year and it actually turned out it's a very simple recipe but boy did i i felt like one of the contestants <laughs> in great british bake off trying to make this <laughs> real basic cake like sitting there sweating yeah. it looking at it in the oven okay is it ready to come out how do i know do i get the toothpick in there and pull it out do i go convention con- convection bake or regular bake and you start to it's just funny with these sort of shows where after a while you start to feel like you even though you don't really know anything about baking and these people are expert bakers and just so much doing these things that are so complex that you will never be able to achieve it on any level you can sit there and go uh oh i don't think they proofed that correctly <laughs> so that starts to happen after a while mm-hmm. um there is the com- not a companion show but there is the I appreciate that the Americanized version of this, there was an American baking show version of it, which I never watched, did have Paula Hollywood in it. But I think the true American successor to this is Nailed It. Oh, okay. Which is essentially the opposite, where they take really bad bakers and have them try to do really complex things and fail, and everyone just sort of laughs about it. (laughs) Which just goes to show, that's America for you right there. (laughs) It does feel like what the colonies have done since, uh, since the end of the revolutionary war <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Did, we, we meant to do a country and we goofed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I think of baking as the most nostalgic thing. I think of my grandmother or, or when I was a kid, you know, mom baking cookies or something like that. And so the, the fact that there's a TV show about it, Oh my God, <laughs> that's going to be comfort food for me, no matter what. Didn't know Paul Hollywood had an affair with one of the co-hosts that ended his uh, ended up ending his uh, marriage. Wow. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's yeah. That, that. Like I said, lots of 
Lots of camaraderie on that set. It wasn't yeah, with yeah. Mary. Wasn't with Mary Berry though. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Uh, we we too are. Um, I'll just put a little aside that we too are a fan of uh, Great British Bake Off. It is fun. Uh, a lot of it uh, currently goes to um, Noel Fielding just being an absolute maniac and just mm-hmm. what a strange second half career choice sort of thing <laughs> for him to be like seeing him like walking around in a watermelon shirt or something this oversized mm-hmm. uh, thing just kind of like flirting with some people uh, and just. Uh, t- being a total weirdo yeah but then i think oh my god just the entire british um uh tv landscape is filled with this sort of like there's just another world of like television comedic presenters that is like dominated by like him and richard iode i think i pronounced his name right and like other people within like that kind of like not alternative Mm-hmm. A comedy spectrum because I think that's just like the mainstream thing, but it's definitely like people that have either appeared on um, the IT uh, the, the IT crowd, crowd. and mm-hmm. or uh, Mighty Boosh and or I don't know. It's where like a you know the young ones would have possibly been or probably were in like the mid nineties. You know, just yeah. this very strange alternative crowd that became normal. But um, yeah, uh, what a cast of characters that are just the people that are on the show too, who you're just either rooting for or rooting against and um, mm-hmm. for no particular reason. Yeah. That's a, that boy, that's an interesting observation. I don't, I don't feel like we have those people, I guess, I guess if you think of like, um, like, you know, like Chris Har- Hardwick was kind of like that and he, he broke into like game shows for a while, but like, mm. yeah, we have like kind of older, it seems older. Yeah. That's interesting. We yeah, just I don't, think we just, we just don't have, we just don't Who's have our Wink like, Martindale. Who's our hmm. Wink Martindale? Well, we don't have a lot of shows that are about wordplay and cleverness. It seems like they're about yeah. dancing. You know, like yeah, we got like, Jimmy Fallon. So that's we got we got hose on this one. <laughs> you get people that kind of get pushed into the um, being a judge on a masked singer sort of thing. Yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, if you can land that spot where you can be on a TV show for, mm-hmm. I don't know, make innocent or i don't know mm-hmm. digging quips but i don't know i don't i don't watch any of that shit uh so what what do, what do you watch what's your second one michael i am gonna stay in the food world and i'm gonna stay with um alton brown's good eats now Ooh. i i really like the show i've always liked it um growing up as well i think it also has a lot of my picks have this kind of kind of nostalgia bent because i think that's what comfort is it's about something familiar i think richard and i can attest to man do i love a good plate of buttered noodles and that's it get out of here with all your fancy sauces and uh (laughs) uh, rich textures and uh, it's like you get some butter on some noodles and i am i'm golden but i think that alton brown exists in like this dual space for me where like i like him on good eats i'm not too much of a fan of, of his on like as being like uh uh, kind of snarky know-it-all on uh, some of his other shows. Like he had like a kind of a competition show that he was a host of. I didn't care for that. Mm-hmm. Like he's like the, uh, what is it? What's the uh, Iron Chef? He's kind of like the host of like the newish kind of Iron Chef. I'm kind of not of a fan of him there. But when he's in this mm-hmm. weird element where he's kind of like a Mr. Wizard, sort of character he's like this little mini filmmaker sort of like his love of movies comes out his love of food his love of showing you how and why food 
taste good and how to shop for things and what to look for and like kind of the little bits and pieces. Oh, there's nothing better for me mm -hmm. than that sort of like joking, silly, but also like he shows you how to make a pretty simple meal that you can kind of replicate and be like, I can, I can do that. I can do that cocktail. And I think also for me and Emily personally, on our very first date, we had um, gone out to a restaurant and it, uh, we kind of somehow the topic of conversation came up to, you know, like food and cooking. And I don't know if she said, I make this incredible ham. And I said, I don't know, I make this really incredible ham. And it just so happened to be that we were both talking about the same like ham preparation from an Alton Brown episode. And oh, so wow. there was just, it's just uh, look up the city ham uh, episode. And it's just like this, it's wonderful. And it's just one of those things where, uh, I don't know, that show just, you know, it's 30 minutes or 22 minutes or whatever have you. And, you know, it starts off with a good eats sort of thing and goes into it and you can get two and a half good recipes and nonsense. Uh, mm -hmm. Just delicious, delicious looking, delicious uh, tasting, hopefully. That's a lot of fun. What what a fun little coincidence. That's a... An auspicious uh, moment between you and Emily. Yeah, it was very, it was very like, oh, right off the bat, holy, what mm -hmm. that seems impossible, but yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That's an interesting thing that I have discovered, where the frame is almost as important as the the painting inside. You know, the 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 setup for Alton Brown and that was matched him perfectly, but then you just felt like, nah, I don't, I just don't like him outside of that setting. That's it's always disappointing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it is. It's a hundred. You're entirely right. There's yeah. an element of like, I want you to live in this little box, even though that's not comfortable for you or good for you as a person. But for me, yeah. stay right there. Yeah. Paul McCartney's new techno album. Like, uh, mm. Okay. Right. Oh, I'll pass. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. am sorry. I was thinking we. I heard the doorbell, but I guess I didn't. Okay. Um. Okay. So, uh, Richard, what's your second? All right, my second choice is uh, Mythbusters. Oh, oh, super! The uh, Adam and Jamie joint, along with yeah, the uh, yeah. the uh, the MythBusting crew. Mm -hmm. um, just a type of show where you can just throw on any random episode mm -hmm. and just Great. yeah, and just be thoroughly entertained. You know, I, I think maybe some of the later episodes where they started running out of ideas and it was like Hollywood special effects special number 27 got a little <laughs> bit tedious. But the ones, especially the early ones, were there, you know, doing things like, you know, will will your cell phone make your car catch on fire if you have it out at a gas station? Mm -hmm. It's just fascinating stuff. And yes, there were always the big explosions. That was always a selling point of the show. And they had to make sure that they worked that, shoehorned that into the uh, episodes one way or another. But for me, the actual builds themselves and the, and, and the, the, the process that Adam and Jamie went through to try and actually bust these myths or prove that they're real, that was always as fascinating to me than the actual final reveal itself. Hmm. And, you know, and it's as if you're someone with an inquisitive mind, as I'd like to think I, I have, you know, it, it's 
you know, I was never great at science, but I love the concept of science. So any sort of pop science type of show that it can explain science to me in a, in real layman's terms and get me to understand more advanced science concepts, I think is great and fascinating. And I, I love, I love watching those types of shows. So that's why Mythbusters for me and, and the chemistry between Adam and Jamie, even though of course it later came out that they weren't really that friendly. Oh, they were more kind of like work colleagues. Mm-hmm. They, they they didn't hang out after work or they weren't like buddy buddy or anything like that. They're just two guys who got hired on to do this show and they didn't hate each other. It wasn't like it was a big feud or anything like that, but they weren't best friends. Like, yeah, like you might think that they would be, but even <laughs> still, they had this great chemistry between the two of them with Adam being this sort of like very like jocular and, and outgoing guy and, Jamie being more the serious and kind of let's just kind of stick to doing what we're supposed to be doing guy. And that, that chemistry worked really well for the show. And so, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's the type of show I can show to my kids. My kids really got into Mythbusters a while ago. And, you know, there are certain episodes that I, I still think, think about them. It's like, Oh, that was a really great episode. I'd like to love to go back and rewatch that one. That's an interesting thing. You, all bring up you know i guess great british bake-off notwithstanding or with withstanding you haven't mentioned any sequential television like you know if you watch cheers you know out of comfort you know mm-hmm. you 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 the story the narrative narratives of uh sitcoms are meant to often have a cliffhanger at the end or to leave you they they put the main character in a place where they don't get what they want, but they get what they need, which can be something opposite of what they want. So right. uh, you don't get that much anxiety from a from these shows that you're talking about because they don't have that much. They're not out of sequence. You can watch any given episode and not worry about it. You don't have to see it in a certain order. Or anything like I that. have for sure. I have mm-hmm. one on my list that's more kind of sequential. Oh, and, and okay. Um, we have another a one which is another one which is in the <laughs> dramedy department, but at least okay I think for the most part. A lot of the episodes can be they can easily be viewed standalone. So continue. Wow, we have our whole halftime to guess what that is. Yeah. What will Richard mention? <laughs> um, please download, rate, and review past episodes and suggest future episodes. You can be involved with the linear timeline of the Mount Rushmore podcast in that way. And we have had past suggestors be participants on the show, so it could be you. Uh, you don't have to be, but you could be. And then, um, you know, give the gift of Mount Rushmore. If you have a person who loves podcasts, you think they would love Mount Rushmore, suggest it to them, post it online, do us a solid. And uh, we're going to still have uh, the cliffhanger hanging off the cliff because we come back from break. And now Michael is going to tell us his third. Uh, my third choice is um, just about any Ken Burns documentary. Oh, now, they're not all comfortable to watch, um, uh, but they're so fascinating and long-winded and can be broken up over the course mm-hmm. of many days, many weeks, weeks many months, that if uh, we just need something to put on that might be a little, um, you know, a lot of the stuff of my choices are calming in a certain sense because they make, they just make you feel better about like the uh, horrible world outside. But we have been watching... Um, uh, on Canopy, which is like a free kind of oh, library yeah. service yeah. where you can get like nine kid stuff. You can watch whatever you want. 
but like you can watch like nine movies over the course of a month, right? So we've been watching um, the National Parks America's Best Ideas, which is a 2009 documentary, which is six episodes. And each episode is like, I don't know, anywhere from two to three hours. So we can like crank through, you know, we'll have like a late dinner and just watch a little bit of that and then not have to 100% pay attention to it. And it's just slow moving and mm -hmm. beautiful. And uh, it just gets you like, it's just, it's so it's very comforting and you learn something and you experience a way of life that uh, doesn't exist anymore. And at least with the national parks, one, you see like all this beautiful outdoor imagery, maybe that again ties into like this kind of COVID thing that we're kind of on the tail end of, but could resurge at any time. Um, but all of his stuff is like, uh, written and delivered in a style that is just so welcoming. Like I think of like one of my favorite things I've ever watched is like his baseball documentary, which is, you know, nine episodes or they have a 10th, which is like extra innings. And each of those is, you know, two hours, two hours plus, and they just go through the history of the game, but told in this romanticism. Um, but with a lot of truth to it at times, cause it is a documentary and, um, I don't know. I think Kent that, you know, I think there's a Ken Burns effect on things. And I think that he is just very good at evoking the past and covering the past and just talking about everything that it's just like, I can watch anything he does. And I think it would be um, pretty interesting. Let's see. I'm looking at, I'm looking at a list of things. I mean, listen, I, I'm not saying I want to watch like the, the Holocaust one. But like I'm all, all all in on like uh prohibition. Man, yeah, that, that's gonna be fucking great. You know? Jazz. Would love to see that one. Thomas Jefferson. Like I go down and listen, it's like this is like a you know, because he covers mostly American history, but mm -hmm. he's good. He's good. Love it. You think you should have you should have had some you should have written this out your your pick as a letter and then had yeah. Leah, then had someone like Leah Leah Schreiber like read it yeah. or Gary Sinise. That is, I'll, that's, I'll, that's the other great thing about like his, his documentaries is like, just randomly you start hearing like Tom Hanks is narrating something. You're like, they got Hanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or you hear, uh, oh, who's that guy with the gigantic head? Um, Me? Uh, Richard Manfredi narrating. Yeah. No, uh, he was, uh, he was on that, the uh, third rock from the sun. And he often plays a villain in some stuff. Oh, David Hyde Pierce. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Oh, yeah. oh boy, you hear Lithgow coming in, and it just feels so yeah. good. <laughs> I do. Um, I do imagine Ken Burns has a team, his development team, and they're just looking for mm. the most hangdog subject that there is, like <laughs> old leather shoes. <laughs> the eight-part documentary from Ken Burns. <laughs> Diphtheria. Diphtheria. <laughs> Rusty lawnmowers. The Ken Burns. <laughs> uh yeah yeah i i did like i i think the only one I, I i watched civil war and i think i watched jazz and mm -hmm. with jazz it was like i mean there's an amazing art form and it has evolved so uh um you know you think of how rock has evolved in 50 years or however however long we've had rock in 70 years how long have we had rock and roll jazz does it every night like <laughs> there's a new type of jazz so like every episode of ken burns it was like a, the jazz there was like a new guy who completely rewrote the history of jazz. <laughs> and you had every person who knew him going, 
he did it all. <laughs> you know, it was like it was like there's a new Superman of jazz in every episode. Of that. So I just got I just got frustrated of having to rewrite my understanding of it for me. Uh, what's your third, Richard? All right, so this is my more linear kind of uh, story-based show. It's oh, the right. the Good Place. Oh, oh okay, that's a Which very new a, new newish one. Newish one, yeah, 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 not 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 one from my childhood, but something my wife got me started on. Sarah started watching it a few years ago as one as her binge watch, and I kind of flitted in and out watching it, mm-hmm. and. She has taken to it. I think it is her favorite. Between that and Schitt's Creek, those are her two comfort TV shows. And I appreciate and support both of them. There is something about The Good Place, though, that it it's more than just like a sitcom. It's also a, a very philosophical type of show. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's a lot of it is yeah. about the, the the nature of being a good person and what does that mean, you know, mm-hmm. and you know when is it appropriate to lie to your friends about something, you know, when is it appropriate to you know all these different like kind of philosophical questions. Uh, Michael Schur actually wrote a uh, a book about kind of a basic real layman's philosophy book based on a lot of the stuff that went on in the Good Place, and there's an oh, audio. Oh, that's book exciting. There's an audio book of it of the with the different cast members reading different chapters, mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, not only is it an incredibly funny show and just an incredibly well written show, but I, I think it's you get to see characters grow organically throughout the course of the however long it was six seasons that the Good Place was on, and at the end of the show, there's no. Yes, there are villains during that that kind of come in and create obstacles for the main characters. But even, you know, spoiler alert for a 10-year-old series. Um, it's 10 years old? Holy it's shit. something like that. Yeah, it's something. Well, when it first started, yeah, I think it's something like that. Wow, okay. Um, spoiler alert. There's... Spoiler alert. So when... When the end of the first season happens, and I won't reveal it, when the big twist happens, um, the character that you think was a good guy turns out to be a bad guy, by the end gets his redemption arc in the most Mm -hmm. organic and just wonderful way possible. And you realize that the story is as much about him as it is about anybody else on the show. So it's just heartwarming. Is it Hawkeye? Hawkeye? Or... Well, it was, yeah, it was Trapper John. So they had <laughs> the right amount of stuff. <laughs> wow, cool. That's a good suggestion. I, I got it because I, I don't know. I, it, it felt pretty light to me. It felt like lightweight. I don't know. It, I, how many so episodes? I never... How many episodes did you watch? Did you watch like I a watched, season of it? Or... No, I think I watched less. I think I watched. You know what? The, you know what? I sit never. Whenever Ted Danson's on TV, I go. He gets another shot at being on TV. <laughs> How does he get so many? He's like the uh, the cat, you know. He's got but more lives. He's got. He's Mr. had a hundred. He's Mister Television. Yeah, I guess I him him and Tom Selleck just clock into television every year with a new show. I I, I do want to do and and we should write this down. I may have even suggested this: the Mount Rushmore of TV actors, like seriously only TV. 
yeah. just actors and actresses who you just know from television who aren't movie actors. Maybe they've been in some movies, but are just guys yeah. and gals who are just TV actors. And Ted Danson is like right at the top of that list. Yeah. Don't, don't you discount Tom Selleck as an actor Sorry. in Quig- Quigley Down Under. I <laughs> swear to God, if you no, I thought, do that one time. I thought you were going to go Mr. Baseball, but I'll accept Mr. That. Baseball is a great movie. So honestly, Quigley Down Under pretty fucking good alan rickman is great he's got a great villain villain performance in that as he would in every picture that alan rickman is in okay all right we'll have a okay, now we've we'll gotten to quickly down under talk yeah so. let's do a mount rushmore of movies you watched on cold medicine mm. mm-hmm. and, and believed them to be better than they were uh okay what's your final one my final one shouldn't be um, too much of a surprise, but The Simpsons. Oh, and I will yeah. say this about The Simpsons. I have been delighting in that just about every episode, maybe missing like the Michael Jackson episode, is on uh, Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I love, love, love re-watching the show that was so formative from my kind of teen years from, you know, came up in 1991. And just, it was the thing that I watched so constantly that I know so well, that is so, every line is just like, you know, sewn into my DNA. I don't think that's how it works, but I think that's how it works. (laughs) Except, except I don't have uh, memories of like these little bits that were like uh, chiseled off for TV TV for what's it called when it goes into syndication. Oh, yeah. So much of my memory of The Simpsons is watching it when it was on at seven o'clock after dinner, and then seven thirty, plus on the new ones that would come on Thursdays or Sundays, and sometimes there'd be it would be on some other point in the day, and invariably I'd end up seeing you know um, Bart gets an elephant, you know twenty or thirty times <laughs> in my mm-hmm. life over the course of ten years or however much it was, and they're just jokes that I just hadn't seen. I I have no memory of. So I'm watching the show that has this total complete comfort that I know the lines. It's like singing your favorite song. And then all of a sudden there's like five extra seconds of a joke that I hadn't ever seen before. Oh yeah. What is going on? It's like watching a brand new show and it happens. It happens on most. I'm like currently on like my rewatch uh, that I I'm just kind of picking away at and, Disney Plus says, pick up where you left off. And it's like, yes, I don't need to think about it. It's like season four, episode nine. Here we mm-hmm. go. And then I can just get into it, watch something for 22 minutes and be like, "I that is really funny. I can't believe they cut that out. I haven't seen that. That is so great. <laughs> this, uh, this is such a great little edition. It's like a little extended, like watching an extended edition of like your favorite uh you know, Lord of the Rings or Marvel thing or whatever. It's just like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy to experience this. I can't wait till somehow Futurama gets on there too. Mm-hmm. And I experience the same thing. That would be funny. Although I would say this for Futurama, I had the D- the DVDs of that, so I probably oh. so whenever I've rewatched it was mostly via DVD. So I can discount that. But what were you going to say, Jeff? Oh, you know, if you were watching Star Wars, help me, Obi Wan. You're my only hope. No, really, I need you. You're my only hope. <laughs> Wait, where'd that line come from? Seriously, Wait, that second my dude. Part. Seriously, my dude. Can you can you can you hook a sister up? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, well that's yeah. God, I I gotta revisit. I literally have missed decades of that show, and I have that. To, that's the other so, thing is yeah. like eventually there's a show that I probably stopped watching. Mm-hmm 
right around 1999, I would say. Right. You know, it kind of faded into the past. It wasn't as funny as it was, even though mm-hmm. that's only still in the first third of how long this show has been out. So I've missed 400, 500 episodes of whatever is out there for the show. And it's yeah. like, you know, who knows if we'll get to it, but at least the resources there and at least there would be like a con- a continuancy of mm-hmm. something that is, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I fear fear for uh, what will happen. Like if Dis, if mm. I I can think that might be the only show where there's a fan um, campaign to cancel it, it <laughs> because it just if there if there were, if Fox announced they were going to cancel it, the fans would keep it alive. So yeah, I don't think there's any way it's going to disappear. Uh, oh, Richard, your last one is what? Uh, it's the Yule log from uh, no. <laughs> Although I, I did think about that would be the perfect choice. You know, there's yeah. nothing more comforting than turning on the Yule Log channel <laughs> over Christmas. No, my last choice is The West Wing. Oh, wow. Okay. Which, just one of those shows show. that you... I, my father-in-law, who lives with us, rewatched it several years ago, which is very strange since he's a hardcore Trumper. And mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, what are you getting out of this? Yeah. Like, is 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 the message of the show not quite getting through to you or yeah. why are you, how are you watching this? I like he's watching seem... the little rascals, a bunch of incompetent kids trying to do something that he knows they'll never accomplish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> democracy. Yeah. Yeah. But I was for, for me to watch it. Cause I started watching it with him because I think I was between jobs at the time. So I think I had one of those situations where I had nothing better to do than to sit around and watch the West wing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's the type of show, especially in the early seasons, before it started getting a little too preachy, but it starts to, you just feel like, this is what democracy is supposed to be like. This is what we want. This is what we think that politicians and people in the political world are supposed to be. Even yeah. though intellectually we know that's not true and it's a dirty business and mm-hmm. people don't have your best interests at heart, they have their best interest, interests at heart. Um, as a bleeding heart liberal, that's what you want to think that other liberals have in, in their hearts. And that's not always the case, but and you know that. But this show made you feel like, well, maybe, maybe, there, maybe somebody out there is like this. Maybe there's a Sam Seaborn. In real life, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, somebody who was doing a strike for a country, not for a party, and not for not, not for their for, own personal yeah. gain. Yeah, and, and and you know, it's it, it, again, it's one of those shows where it. Yes, there are like season long storylines, but for the most part, you can jump in. A lot of the episodes, you can jump into one episode. There are a lot of standalone episodes. I mean, if if you aren't charmed by the episode where President Bartlett is calling into the Butterball Turkey Hotline, I, I don't know what to tell you about television. It's mm-hmm. not for you. I, I don't think television's for you at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem also one of the last important shows. Like, there's been a lot of... I'm trying to think of what's... You know, and, and one of the last shows, I think, to deal with the... Like, Veep was kind of, I guess, a sarcastic look at politics and and yeah what was doing was almost kind of capra-esque and that you were trying to still preserve this hmm. this america that was um, yeah really there's a, yeah there's a sweep of epicness to it yeah 
to the West Wing, which which mm-hmm. you just don't get uh, very much in television anymore. I mean, nowadays every prestige show is trying to be gritty and yeah, and down and dirty and show you what it's really like. And it, you know, the West Wing mm-hmm. is the opposite of that. It was a prestige show that was trying to be Capra esque and and kind of epic in nature and yeah, and kind of yes, it was painting with broad strokes, but it that kind of was part of the purpose. Mm-hmm. There's no um. There's no right wing version of the show that would work. Like it would be <laughs> like if you were to try to capture the vitriol and the um, uh, the pain is the purpose sort of uh, aspect of so many things that are done. Like the, it's just like assholes high fiving over like pushing like an old lady into like a mud yeah. puddle, <laughs> you know, fifty one minutes. Like like you know, as make believe as. Um, <laughs> As make-believe as the West Wing was at times where, like, you know, someone would sweep in and, uh, you know, like the, the the John Goodman Speaker of the House mm-hmm. character when he had to take over as president for, you know, an episode and a half when the other president was shot and something happened and it was something like, you know, all, all of the all of the, you know, things lining up for the worst possible thing. And then the Republican Speaker of the House comes in and then, like, at the end, he's just like just doing my duty for the country it's like what these awful people would do all the worst things if they had like 10 minutes alone in the in the in the the, um oval office office. (laughs) and like even like uh i you know spoiler alert for sure that is 20 years old at this point or whatever but like even like the the republican that was like going against uh you know whoever the the successor was even he was like Jimmy uh, Smith. I mean, it was Alan Alda for God's sakes, yeah. one of television's most beloved. Yeah, it was Alan, Alan Alda as like the. Yeah, so like the, you know, there is a. Uh, I love the show too. I I I listened to like the entire like West Wing, uh, recap kind of podcast show with Josh Molina and uh, Rishi K. Sherway. I enjoyed that, um, as it like kind of back and forth kind of would watch an episode and listen to the podcast and watch an episode and like you know th- that stuff is so fun so good choice richard because there are so many aspects of how you can retell these things now especially if you get like a podcast sort of involved in it that kind of is a companion piece mm-hmm. to your enjoyment where you can watch something and learn something separately and whatever love stuff like that yeah fun choices gents so uh uh, you know what? I don't know that I have comfort television. It's mm-hmm. funny. I don't know. Yeah. We don't, Jeff, I, I... Jeff takes a huge cartoon mallet and just conks himself on the head at the end of a work day, at the end of the <laughs> night. Just like, wake me up when it's all over. <laughs> um, so let's go. Because I'd never heard it before, and I appreciate you uh, rocking my world with it. Ground Force Gardening Show. Very nice. Fun. Yeah, fun news. You guys would to... love it. You guys would. Oh, I love it. it. I love it. Yeah, it's a great. And if show. you want, an, if you if you want another one, um, uh, an old British kind of competition show, uh, check out Scrap Heap Challenge, oh, wow. which uh, was like hosted by one of the guys from Red Dwarf, um, Robert Llewellyn, which is like a bunch of teams are like working in a junkyard to try to build something to accomplish some task, and it's very British. And I think they had an American version of it, which was less charming. Yeah, that but... was Junkyard Wars. Yeah, there's the, the, the British the yeah. British version of it is you know obviously the car the, the driving wheels on the wrong side of the car but it's basically the same mm-hmm. right <laughs> uh, let's see yeah uh, um, I don't know so okay how about um, 
the good place because you're opening my eyes to something I really need to do. And I'm going to watch it through that lens of kind of it as almost a primer to philosophy or, or whatever. And then, uh, Ken Burns, cause nobody tries harder than that guy to bore me. Uh, and what even his go... haircut, even his haircut is boring. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's right. I left the, he's got George Harrison's hair. Somehow he found, <laughs> found it. Uh, um, and oh yeah, Davy Jones. Okay, and why don't we also go with uh, the Simpsons? Because come on, it's the Simpsons. It's yeah. All right, and Diamond Diamond Joe Quimby will come shoot me if I don't uh, mention it. This has been the Mount Rushmore of uh, Comfort TV. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 